Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Buffer, my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Gatecast episode 153, covering Lost City Part 2, which is season 7, episode 22, although MGM and their infinite wisdom have decided to string the two together. So if this runs a bit short, it's probably because they're missing a credit sequence and previously on Stargate. Good morning, everybody. Actually, 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 I prefer the two episodes back to back, but for our purposes, it does mean it's a little awkward. We'll be cutting in on the stock footage of the Cheyenne entranceway with the Jeep just after Teal'c and Braytac walk through the Stargate. Which is what I'm paused on, on a slightly blurry single guard. Actually, pausing there, we're slightly over halfway based on the timings I've got, because I've got 42.54 of 122.01. Yeah. Which means this might run a bit short. But I suppose when you cut out the credit and the previously on... Yeah, they would be normally tacked on right now. I'm going to watch Captain America again today, because I only saw it the once in the cinema. Yeah. I think I watched Thor again as well. Thor was fun. I'm glad I didn't buy Iron Man 2. I don't really rate that movie. Some good bits, but some absolutely ridiculous bits as well. I thought the first Iron Man had the best trailer, because it did exactly what a trailer was supposed to do. I watched the trailer and I thought, ooh, I want to see that. Yeah. It had the cool bits, but it didn't have the best bits. And Jeff Bridges chewed scenery beautifully. Since I'm not a comic book fan, first time I heard of Iron Man was, I think, on Sci-Fi Dig when they were talking about it. So obviously I haven't heard that, you know, these new movies Marvel are planning, but something, something Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man, they sound worrying. I'd have thought they'd do um, Black Widow and Hawkeye together as a single movie because that's crying out for a prequel. You saw hints and stuff in the Avengers movie of what went on between them, but it's never really resolved. Yeah, but would a prequel actually suit their long-term planning? What you could do is the equivalent of a clip show. <laughs> no, no, as in you see them on a current mission, but most of it is told in flashback. Huh. You, you could take the critically injured approach, you know? Dark Knight Rises was okay. It wasn't great. I will watch it one day. I'd say it was better than one, but I, the, the Dark Knight trilogy peaked with the second one. Well, see, there we differ. I think Batman Begins is better than Dark Knight. You think so? Much more enjoyable movie. Not as well made, not as spectacular perhaps, but I think a better story and easier to watch. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Hi folks, once again I'm going to slip in the feedback and a little podcast news at the start. As one tidbit is important to the podcast and by extension there is something in it for you as well. First up we have a little feedback to Lost City Part 1 and a few comments via the Facebook group. I said, we really need to record soon. Mike is running out of a stored episode. Yes, this was off the back of week's break we had. Miles McLaughlin said Lost City 1 and 2 was awesome. And I replied, yes, they were. Only intended to watch half of the DVD feature-length Lost City, but got totally absorbed and watched it all. To which Dan Rock replied, love those apps. Glad you guys are going to alternate between SGA and SG1. This is a very exciting time. Going to Atlantis, followed by two exclamation marks. We haven't actually decided if we're going to alternate yet, Dan. Yes, the guy's psychic. (laughs) 
the poll is still ongoing. Or at this point, finished. Posted a few pictures from guest appearances on Fringe and Once Upon a Time by Paul McGillian, Tony Amendola, Michael Kopska. Miles McLaughlin on the Facebook page posted, I'm not remembering Michael Kopska. Who did he play? It was nice seeing Paul McGillian on Fringe. At first I didn't recognise him. He disguised his accent pretty good. I replied, Michael played two characters in three episodes of SG-1. He played General Kerrigan twice in the season four and season five episode. You would probably recognise the face, minus all the makeup. He's a popular and busy genre actor. As for Paul's accent, well, he spent so long away from his birthplace, which is Scotland, it's probably the more faked accent these days, especially when you hear him in normal interviews. Very much a Canadian-sounding gentleman. We have a competition. If you vote for us and rate us on iTunes and review us more to a point, all names, irrespective of how positive or negative the review is, all names will go into a virtual hat and the person who is picked out will win a signed Jason Momoa doll of Jason as Ronan Dak. The packaging is slightly distressed due to uh, the baggage handler I had between Atlanta and Tucson, but it will be uh, posted to you. Although, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, that could take a little longer. <laughs> yes, we're not above bribing our way back into the iTunes store. Like I say, we, we had a nice little healthy uh, number of reviews and ratings in the old days before everything kind of went to pot. Hopefully we'll get some of those back, maybe a few new ones as well. We'll, of course, check the UK and the US iTunes store. If anybody posts on iTunes outside of those, if you let us know, that'd be fantastic. In fact, everybody, if you give us a review... Send us a little email or contact us on Twitter just to make sure we know that we can enter you into the draw. Yes, we'd hate for you to go to the trouble of reviewing us and then, my name weren't in the draw. Contact us and let us know in the event that we miss it. We'd appreciate that. On the news front, Ming-Na finally picked up a 2012 Constellation Award for Best Female Performance in a 2011 science fiction television episode. The episode in question was Stargate Universe's epilogue. You can see the picture on the website at gatecast.co.uk. Also, Julia Benson and her husband Peter are using Indiegogo to fund their latest movie project, What an Idiot. If the name rings a bell, then Julia plays Lieutenant Vanessa James on Stargate Universe. Links in the show notes. One notable upcoming birthday is on the 27th, Robert Picardo, who turned the bad guy Woolsey into a much-loved hero-like leader when moving from SG-1 to SGA. Robert is obviously more known for playing the Doctor on Voyager, but he's made his mark in the genre. That's it for now. Back to Lost City Part 2. I noticed on my Avengers DVD, there's actually a trailer for the Facebook Marvel Avengers Alliance game. Is it? Yep. It says, press pop-up menu or top menu to skip these trailers. Not all of the following advertisements may be available in all areas. I was impatient. I don't have any of them on Blu-ray and it was £40 for the six of them. If I didn't have any on Blu-ray, I'd have bought the on set as well. I did get a good deal on the Avengers. Is that the one you sent to Shane? Yeah, I bought two coppers. I cancelled my pre-order from another company and bought one from there. problem is a lot of these companies, they say it's the UK, but it's not the UK. Their free delivery applies to Great Britain only. Yeah. I must listen to that Life After Track. Unfortunately, I think I told you this, Audible had a $5 sale. Yes, you did. And I bought Belgarath the Sorcerer and Polgara the Sorceress. This was Eddings before he'd started irritating me by retreading the same story for the third time and not even trying to hide it. <laughs> You see, I read... Did you read The Bulgarian? No. I read it in college. In fact, I spent more time sitting in the game sock reading the books than I did actually attend which may explain why I didn't pass. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. I see we have somebody who could be a friend to Campy Lobacter called SI Maker. Tag on Twitter is You Sunk My Brothel Ship. Do you know what I saw in Game Zone in Tucson? Nope. A version of the board game Battleship with photos from the movie on the box. Well, I know it. It's an officially licensed movie. If you actually saw the movie, you'd be disinclined to play the game. I have seen the movie. Sorry? I have seen the movie. You've also seen two of the spoofs, haven't you? Well, it's not a spoof. It's just a cheap knockoff and just as entertaining as the movie. The difference is $248 million. Come try ya! I found when I was desperately hunting for my PSP. Did I tell you I ended up buying another one? You may have done. I was in GameStop in Phoenix primarily because it had air conditioning and it was 109 outside. And I said, you only second-hand PSPs? Because I couldn't find mine and I have a ton of games for it. And he goes, well, with this one, PSP 3000 for $70, and I reached into my pocket, I thought, towards the end of the holiday, I'd gone from $110 a day to 150 as I spent less, <laughs> and loaded my credit card. It's going to take me nearly until Hogswatch to actually clear my credit card. That's what they're for. But on the bright side, I clear my mortgage in about a week. Yeah. Woo-hoo. But I found book one of Echoes of All Our Conversations, which I hadn't been able to find. What, you mean you'd lost it or you hadn't bought it? I'd bought it, I'd just lost it. You lost it. <laughs> it's a big house. Well, I listened to the first two Dresden Files on audiobook. Oh, they're unabridged, because I can't find yeah. them on Audible. I'd buy them if I could get them, and I can't. And I say, Masters was a little, felt a little wooden. I don't know how many books he'd done before that. You know, Stormfront, you could hear it. You think, you know, this might be the first time he's done this sort of work. He talked about it. I saw him as well. I had to queue for two hours, but I did see him and Drusilla. He said, the thing with audiobook is film, you know, you're committed for two months and you're done. Television, it's weekly, but you're on set and then you're off and you can relax yeah. in shots. Audiobooks, you're just locked in the studio for like 11 hours. And the problem is you speak for 30 seconds and the guy comes on it. Could you take a sip of water, please, Mr. Masters? You're a little dry on that. And you're being stopped every 30 seconds and it gets really frustrating really quickly. I imagine it is rather difficult. Especially, you know, you've also got, a, uh, you know, the same timber in your voice and everything. I know if I record stuff for the podcast and if I do it five minutes apart, I sound different. I got to a confer question and it was about 12, 13 minutes from the end of the panel. There were about four or five people behind me. I think I managed to take them off because I said to them, uh, this is primarily for Colin and partly for Jamie, who's the co-creator of Eureka. I said, you did a lot of physical comedy, almost shading into slapstick. Did it hurt? Because it looked painful. <laughs> And he literally went, I've been waiting ages for someone to ask me that. (laughs) He was delighted. I have to say, two minutes after he opened his mouth, the theme tune to Dukes of Hazard went through my head. He really is just a good old boy. He always comes across fantastic on any podcast because he does a lot of podcast interviews as well. He loved the question. He blathered on for 10 minutes and he said, what's (laughs) that? The guy that played Zane Donovan. Yeah. He's doing a lot of that stuff in the Primeval reboot. Yeah. And he said he enjoys going on set and watching him get beat up. <laughs> he just tore into poor Jamie. They also pointed out that uh, on his first day, the guy who played Fargo managed to write off a Segway. Well, managed to half destroy a Segway and rip all the skin off the knuckles on his left hand because he, he misjudged it and he scraped along a wall and he broke off one of the handlebars. <laughs> so they were trying to shoot him so his left hand wasn't visible in shot. And that was on his first day. Well, that was the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you wonder, think, will I get will I get a call back? 
because someone said, why does Fargo always seem to get in trouble? And that was the story Colin Ferguson told. So he said, it's not really the writers. This is. This is the actor. It's just a disaster area. Hi, I'm Kevin Batchelder. I'm Wendy Hembrock. And I'm Brent Barrett. And we're the hosts of a new podcast called Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV. Where we discuss sci-fi and genre shows currently on television and some from the past. We're fans just like you. So join us in our water cooler and back porch discussions of your favorite shows. And strangely enough, you can find us online at tuningintosci-fi-tv.com. Be seeing you. Wait a minute. Isn't that what Bester says on Babylon 5? Maybe. I never watched Babylon 5. What? So you're a sci-fi geek who missed one of the best shows ever? Hey, hey, no details, no spoilers. I'm still catching up on DVD myself. Besides, we're not really experts or critics. We kind of think of ourselves more like guides or sci-fi Sherpas. I don't carry anyone's luggage, though. Yeah, me either. We're what we like to call the viewer's digest for genre TV. Yes, we're interested in the conversation shows generate. And speaking of sci-fi Sherpas, where would you find one of those? Mmm, Craigslist? Oh, see what I have to deal with? I'm still quite ticked off at Moffat for the short season. You think it was totally his decision? His executive producer, I'd say he was heavily involved. It's produced outside of BBC. I mean, all the merchandising and stuff goes back into that television company. It doesn't go back into BBC. Did that actually tick you off as much as me off, the loss of Confidential? Because I know you like the behind-the-scenes stuff. No, I never watched it. Really? No, we'll be an idiot to start. Of course, we're not going to get a line. No, but we do have the immediate cut after they go through the gate into the stock footage, which is probably the best place to start it. Actually, pausing there, we're slightly over halfway based on the timings I've got, because I've got 42.54 of 122.01. Yeah. Which means this might run a bit short. But I suppose when you cut out the credit and the previously on... Yeah, they would be normally tacked on right now. Right. So I'm at 42.54, the guard is visible, the jeep is in the foreground. Shall I count down? Yep, all set to go. Ever three, ever do, ever hain, licky. And of course, lap of line. And I thought the objective was you never have a guard guarding on their own. Well, he's not. He's behind the sentry post, isn't he? Is a guard? Well, yeah, they've got sentry posts to let the vehicles in and out checkpoints, so he's well behind the main line of uh, entry. Yeah, I could take him out with a sniper rifle. Yeah, and then all you've got to do is go mile down through a solid mountain before you get to anything important. <laughs> yes, guarding the guard. I don't speak ancient. Yet. Um, Jack is still doing the crossword. He may finish it, although he might forget how to uh, write English. Look, last time things just popped into my front. Front his head. He's not even looking at it. <laughs> not yet. Nah, there we go. <laughs> I'd like to at least finish that while I can. I thought you were supposed to... Be... 13 across, you wrote Teonas. Yeah, so? What's that mean? Well, I don't know. You tell me. Eight down, you wrote Proclarouche. What's eight down? Um, oh, he's from. <laughs> Richard Dean Anderson supposedly really enjoyed doing uh, these scenes this time around. He didn't like them when he did them for the fifth race. The director actually pointed out that uh, he kind of threw himself into it because he had more dialogue like this. And I think he was happy just to be on the set and have fun. All this dialogue is fun for Jack. Following still you, not Proclarouche Teonas. I-, I think you wrote the name of the planet where we'll find the lost city in the crossword. Ooh. Can't hear Jack, but I can see his expression. <laughs> Bit of a jump. Why else would you do that? The clue for seven down is Celestial Body, and he wrote Uma Thurman. Yes. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) It has to mean something. It does. 
And they pointed out that it's unusual for uh, many shows to actually have the lead characters funny. Normally they're just bringing a guest star. I think something Stargate did throughout its entire run was make use of the comedic talents of its lead actors. Excepting SGU. <laughs> Except for SGU. Which we'll get to eventually. Proclarouche Teonas. According to this, it means lost in fire. It was lost. This has to be the planet where the, where the lost city is. Well, even if it is, knowing the name of the planet doesn't really help unless we have a gate address to get us there. I always wondered why they were stuck on with Velcro. <laughs> there you go, that's why. So we can play with it? Probably, yeah. <laughs> He's having an epiphany. Mm-hmm. Jack, what are you doing? Oh, that's handy. <laughs> Yes. Twitter before. Mm. <laughs> at this, that, that is at. You can stop that. And don't ask me what it means. I don't know. I think I do. Red jello. Do miss the blue jello. What's this? Shh. Ooh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. You just told us to be quiet. No, when I look at this, I think. Shh. That's it. What? Shh. <laughs> Teona, six syllables. What if each symbol in the Stargate has a corresponding sound so that it can be spoken aloud? Like an alphabet. Proclarouche Teonas isn't just the name of the planet, it's also the gate address. It's nice to see some confused. Mm-hmm. Just, just every now and again, mixes things up. It's nice to see Jack confused. Oh, sounds back by the way. You look very young there. Brilliant. No, Jack looks confused. <laughs> so this is the gate address that would lead us to the lost city. It has to be. The made point out that whenever you see a gate address written down mm. and Daniel has to fill in the last symbol, it's always somebody else's writing. <laughs> Austin Fire. What we're looking for could still be there. I could use the address to calculate the planet's location in space, but we'll need a ship to get there. Prometheus. Also, something they pointed out in the commentary that they realised after the fact, the gate address, which translates as Lost in Fire, the name of the planet, why would anybody name the planet Lost in Fire before it was Lost in Fire? Colonel. Don't ask. Oh, my. This is a redress gate room, probably one of the biggest open spaces they had on the set. Uh-huh. How long did it take to set that up? Dear God. <laughs> if that's the gate room, seriously... Well, it's from the back, isn't it? So the gate may be just behind some canvas. Yeah, but to move all that stuff in. Well, yeah, but if you're shooting on a cargo ship for a couple of days, then the workmen have got plenty of time, haven't they? Uh, Braytag. You've got to have real faith in the rest of the inhabitants of Tulak, isn't it, when you go visiting home? <laughs> have they not learned by now? I am Ronan. I knew your father. He looks a little Jafar. So you're saying he's rather short for a Jafar? <laughs> yes, quite. <laughs> oh, come on, how could I not? <laughs> you say, it looks like the, the armour was handed down, he's slowly growing into it. I was the youngest of three boys, don't talk to me about growing into stuff. <laughs> I have seen the extent of his forces. We only wish to use your ship to help us find something much more powerful. Something that we believe will defeat Anubis once and for all. If that is true, then I will join you. I want to come along so I can betray you. I don't know. You either applaud his enthusiasm or be highly suspicious. Can we be both? I am a fine pilot. So we have heard. Yes. 
Well, have you got everything you need? I think there's still a sink in the kitchen. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Meow. Perhaps. A bad one. Yes, very bad. But I sense hope for you. Well, I hope for all of us that you find what you're looking for, Colonel. <laughs> oh, Jack likes it. Yeah. Shame she's going to disappear after this episode and be replaced by Elizabeth Higgins. Terry Higgins? Same character, though, so no worries. Yeah, they did a neighbours. Well, that one looked oh, heavy. What did we get left with this one? I've seen threes before it went. Oh, I see the dialogue was failing again. Okay, that's fair enough. Well, it was fun while it was there. What conversation between the boys? What? I would have done it, you know. Hmm. I'm sure you would have. I know. I mean, there has to be a way to reverse the effects. Once we have what we need, we'll find a way. I say the reasoning that Jack had quite sound. You really need Daniel to be able to translate everything while the change is going on. Um, we can't afford to lose Carter. And he wouldn't let Carter do it. No. A bit Cruvis. A little chronic. Cruvis? <laughs> He always knows he said something when they get that puzzled expression on the face. The knowing look. Oh, I'm gonna go fiddle with the engines. Oh dear. That could be bad. <laughs> I don't think they're coming to uh, visit tourist spots. Yeah, well, I didn't see the uh, giant Anubis ship. I just saw regular big ships. Mr. President, a short time ago, our space-based radar detected three ghoul vessels emerging from hyperspace. Looks like you were wrong, Bob. Three ghoul ships is hardly the full force of Anubis's fleet. No, there's there's only three huge spaceships in orbit. Nothing to worry about. Yeah, not that one of them couldn't raise the planet from orbit. Quite right, yeah. And he's most likely holding back his main invasion fleet till he finds out what we've got. Sir, Prometheus and our fleet of 302s can give him a run for their money. If that's all he throws at us, yes, sir, I agree. We've got absolutely nothing to stop weapons fire. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, General Jumper. The Air Force Chief of Staff. General Jumper. General Jumper. Oh, dear. That's his real name. I believe launching the Prometheus now will only serve to demonstrate we lack the very advanced weaponry Anubis is afraid of. He is an actual general? He is the Air Force Chief of Staff. September 2001 to 2005. A combat pilot, born Paris, Texas. Joined the Air Force in 1966, retired in 2005. Hmm. In the meantime, I better prepare a hell of a speech. Thank you. <laughs> Is that Holly the aide who didn't get lines this time? No, I don't believe it was. Give me your zap. This isn't going to end well. Of course it's going to end well. This is Jack in ancient mode. I say when they were filming this, the only way they could actually demonstrate the ship was moving faster is have the lights flash. Faster, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so they can give you a bit of a headache. Mm-hmm. And in the original script, there was actually a kiss, because, as we come to know, Jack officially kind of uh, resigns. Harks back to window of opportunity. I resign. You're in charge. Okay. Sir, at your house before Daniel and Tilk showed up, what I was going to say was... I know. And they do appear to be going faster. That's a nice effect, actually. Look, outside spaceship shots. Happy journey. Say what you like, but the super soldiers look a hell of a lot cooler than Jaffa. Mm-hmm. 
nice to see Herat back, played by Michael Adamthwaite. For the time being. My lord. The advanced attack reports that they have received no challenge. Order them to begin the attack. If the Tauri have weapons of the ancients, we shall see. That's the spirit in Ubus. Be prepared to sacrifice three of your starships. No, he doesn't care. Either they'll get destroyed and we'll know they've got a super weapon, or they won't, <laughs> and we'll blow them up. Oh, okay, there's Lost in Fire, alright. That's a beautiful shot, that is. Mm-hmm. Well, this doesn't look good. The surface is almost completely covered by lava flows. How could there have ever been a civilization down there? A star becomes a red giant like this near the end of its life. A million years ago, this planet may have looked very much like Earth. So we're a million years late? Probably more. That's very late. You think? Lava flows. Cargo shuttle was actually built for a couple of episodes early on in the first season. Ended up being used for about eight years, and it wasn't designed to really to be shot in. Mm. As Martin Wood points out now, everything mm. that's designed that's and built is built with longevity in mind. Interesting shot. What do you want me to say? I don't even know why we're here. But you did pack the hazmat suits for us. My guess is you knew the condition of the planet, and you knew that we would have to go down there. Then you know more than I do. No, sir, I don't. Sit down and take a look. That's an order. They made the comment with Amanda on the commentary about acting with the green screen. Says after all these years, obviously they're used to it. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, I listened to a podcast with Michael Dorn, who played Worf in TNG and DS9. He always says the first couple of years of every any Trek series, all the new actors had to have trouble working with green screen, learning to react to the... Uh, balloon on a stick. Yeah, the balloon on the stick or the <laughs> tennis ball. Yeah, like um, Dashi was on about that. She guest actors had trouble. Yeah. You'd think it would be something that young actors are taught now, now these days, considering it takes up so much time, at least on features. Mm. There's a small anomaly on the surface here, like a bubble. Is it a cavern? It looks like a perfectly formed half-sphere of molten rock. Perhaps a force field meant to protect the city was covered over. Too small to have a whole city in there. And we aren't getting any energy readings from it. Perhaps the shield has since failed. You've got to love sensors like that. You could be searching that planet for looking for a, a slight indentation or bubble. Mr. President, we've managed to contact the captain of the Spruance, a destroyer in the Nimitz battle group. Repeat, some sort of beam just came out of the sky. There wasn't any warning, but the entire carriage just went up in one big fireball. Captain, can you see the enemy? Holy! Another cruiser just blew up. What the hell's the fire coming from? Go ahead, Now, this scene was originally going to be a full CGI segment of the movie they were going to make. Mm-hmm. As you would expect, the, <laughs> there wasn't the money in the TV budget to actually make the 7th Fleet being destroyed by mm-hmm. Gould starships. Too expensive? Too expensive. So just substitute say a clip from Battleship or uh, 2012 when that carrier gets hit by a meteorite or something the world ends (laughs) Mm. something like that again I think SG-1 have done lava planets better than Star Wars ever did Mm -hmm. you just didn't like episode 3 I still don't trust him. You shouldn't trust him. <laughs> New characters that just turn up out of the blue. Always suspicious. Yep. Stand by. It better be. Otherwise, it's a short trip. <laughs> They're bouncing off. I suppose that's a limitation of the ring system. They've got to be able to physically get to the location. Mm-hmm. Can you still hear us? Indeed. Loudly and clearly. We will move a safe distance and return on your signal. 
<laughs> Loudly and clearly. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna f*** it off now. <laughs> yeah, just give us a call when we come back. I believe Roland was correct. It seems a shield once protected this structure. It's possible the rings compromise the dome's integrity. We shouldn't stay too long. Too bad. Otherwise, it's very pleasant. Funnily enough, in the commentary, Amanda, when she saw this, says, you know, wow, this looks great. And then <laughs> pointed out this was the first time she's seen this episode complete. <laughs> that sounds more like a jackpot. And these are the sta- stand-ins. Considered one of the actors in the hazmat suits? Well, again, you know, they're shooting multiple scenes with first and second unit directors, so if they can shoot 30-second segments with stand-ins in the spacesuits. If you want to see this set being built, there's a segment on the extras on the DVD. Showing it from scratch. Oh, have a look. To make it look smoky, got a big plastic bag filled with smoke in front of the doorway and shot through it, and then just sucked all the smoke out so it looked like it was suddenly clear. I don't know about you guys, but right now I'm kind of hoping this isn't the lost city. Sir, be careful. Richard Dean Anderson just loved this chair and the gooey stuff. You'll notice when uh, he reclines into it that his knees are bunched up and that's because basically he's too tall for it <laughs> Ooh, it's jello isn't it combination of jello and porridge it's a silicon gel yeah but as we know RDA really likes to fiddle with stuff and this is just perfect for him They actually allowed him to... Mmm, texture. (laughs) Ooh, map. It's a map of the galaxy. Looks like every planet the ancients ever colonized is indicated here. This is where we are, Paclarouche. Thank you, Captain Obvious. (laughs) That's our solar system. Earth. Or one remarkably like it. Yep. That does not appear to be Earth. It's because it doesn't take into consideration 30 million years of continental drift. Very nice. Mm. Sir, why are you showing us this? After all, the original Star Trek amazingly found duplicate Earth so many times. Terra. Atlantis. Terra's Earth. Atlantis. The lost city of Atlantis? Are you saying the lost city of the ancients... Is here? Antarctica. Subo. Lacios. Under the ice. The city we've been looking for is under the ice of Antarctica. It's been on Earth the whole time? Jack, we were just there. So we came all this way just to find out that we have to go all the way back? No. Rob C. Cooper said how happy he was with this accumulation of three years planning and work bring forward the Atlantis storyline. Everything led up to this. Oh, well, that's it. Put your suits back on quick. <laughs> Thanks for the warning, Jack. Daniel, where's my suit? Where's, where's my hat? <laughs> of course, anybody who's familiar with SGA knows what that is. Yeah, it's a PM. Well, actually, in fairness, that you see two about glaciers, you think under the ice, don't you? Glaciers. No, I think, <laughs> I think of mints. <laughs> I think of ice cream. <laughs> Understood, Major Carter. Pilot the vessel. I will see to the transport rings. Oh, that's not good. That's not good. I 
been betrayed. You are the betrayer. Ronan shows his true colours. <laughs> yes, Brita, you're right. Ronan, played by Mark Warden, Canadian actor, has been in CSI New York, Big Love, Enterprise. Braytek no longer has a symbiote. <laughs> Comes as a bit of a surprise. I'm mistaken. I no longer carry a symbiote. You've basically stabbed an empty pouch. Mm-hmm. Tricked you. <laughs> it still hurts. Young whippersnappers. Mm. I'm 150 years old. <laughs> I love it, throwing rocks at the ass. <laughs> yeah, well, he would remove the power source, doesn't he? You are weak, old man. Oh, that's not something you should say. You kind of insulted him, didn't you, really? Oh, that's not good. In the original script, the cargo ship was supposedly to crash into the dome during this fight, Mm -hmm. which caused it to collapse. Again, just not enough money to do it. You may be younger, but not the wiser. Right in the same pouch. That's rather brutal, isn't it, really? You really see hand-to-hand combat with that level of ferocity. Mm Mm-hmm. Braytac keeps saying, you know, I'm coming to the end of my life. Could this be it? <laughs> if it had fallen another six inches closer to the rings, it probably would have been. Look <laughs> at Sam. Walks right by him. <laughs> she never really liked the Jafar. <clears throat> Thing. <laughs> I just never liked him. He ate the last pot pie. Ooh. Oh, for God's sake. Now, we've seen this happen before, so it's not exactly uh, without precedent. But it does seem a little too sci-fi-y. Would that be right? Sci-fi spelled S-C-I-F-I. We haven't seen Jack do this before, though, have we? But we have seen an ancient do it before. Hmm in the episode Frozen. So we know it's a talent they have. It does seem a little cheesy. Jack. It's Braytac. We can't kill off Tony. Yeah, we've got to say Braytac. The guy's indestructible. Having seen the last episode of the first season, you could say, oh, I'm not sure exactly how indestructible he is. <laughs> Once more, I am in your debt. But how? O'Neill possesses the healing power of the ancients. I think they all got that, Tilk. Quickly, step on it. Tilk, set a course for Earth. Can we use his EPM to get there in like half a day? Uh, Unfortunately not. I wonder though, given that he speeded up day into the journey, how much time can they shave off the return? Quite a bit, I imagine. But so far there's been nothing to intercept. Since the battle group was destroyed, the ghouls haven't fired a shot. Why not a city or two? Just to prove his point. Back in the Oval Office, the X-Men set. Oops, somebody's come a-calling. Oh dear. Rumble, rumble, rumble. Ah! <laughs> Kinsey dashes for it. <laughs> now, they had a problem with this. They were not allowed to damage the set in any way. So they could only rig up one painting to show gunfire. Mm-hmm. Nubus is a little smaller than he normally looks. I am Anubis. Martin Wood wasn't really happy with the way it turned out. 
He also lost a grade which he was planning on using. You've got to be kidding. You are the leader of this world. Henry Hayes, President of the United States of America. One nation among many. No more. Bow before your God. I don't think so. However, I am willing to discuss your surrender. If you possess weapons matching mine, you would have used them. Don't let the suit fool you, fella. We're gonna fight. You bring destruction upon yourselves. Never going to happen. William Devane as Hayes really plays this well. Mm-hmm. Can't show any weakness or back down in the face of Anubis. Yep. And if you're gonna bluff, bluff big. <laughs> nice to see him wearing shoes. <laughs> oh, here we go. That's an invasion fleet. Okay. Sir, 30 plus ships just appeared in orbit, taking station around the planet. Okay, the mothership's here, and the general is on the phone. 30 plus. Is that 32, 33? Bye bye. I guess he didn't buy it. Mr. President, it's time to go to the outside. You can stay in contact and send any orders. Go ahead. Mr. President. No, no, go ahead. I'm, uh, I'm staying. I don't think it matters after you hit 30, you know? They actually got a communique for General's secretary when he got the script, and they actually pointed out that he could do with more lines. He actually rewrote the script to give him more lines. Considering how much the Air Force have helped Stargate with mm-hmm. material, men, aircraft and everything, you know, giving the General a few extra lines is a small payment. Good. Yes, because we're not cowards. Well, if you'll accept it, I've got another job for you. You really want Kinsey to go through the gate then just to shut it off so it can't come back? No, I want to shut it off he's halfway through. <laughs> oh, he has plans for you, George. What is he doing? He's fiddling with the rings. Do they look bigger than they normally do? Yeah, but they're being shot from quite close. Yeah. Consider the fact that four people can stand reasonably comfortably within them. They have to be fairly large. True. That spark gun that RDA is using was uh, created by Ray Douglas, the special effects coordinator. Just to give him something to play with. Yeah, something to play with. Something to play with that could be on camera. Another mano mano. O'Neill. I wish for you to know that. Oh, how nice. Brothers, but not in arms. <laughs> yes. Shall we hug? <laughs> Even Rob C. Cooper says he's not normally uh, one to have men touching men, but it seemed fitting for this scene. That's a flat screen. Now they cut out part of this scene. The president actually made a speech, and in the movie they was going to make, obviously the Stargate was going to be made public, and this would have been the president telling the world. Oh, well, there goes the speech. Yeah, they made the point that they didn't actually cut out any scenes from this script. They did cut the scenes down. It was originally a 120-page script, which they cut down to 106 eventually. We're doing our best to get the word out to the public to remain calm. Saying what? For the moment, we're sticking with a meteor shower. That'll only hold up as long as those ships stay out of range. Go to DEFCON 1. John, launch Prometheus. Yes, launch Prometheus. Make sure John DeLance isn't on it. (laughs) You'd have thought it had already been in orbit. You know, somewhere. They've got to hit it, surely. Well, I thought you were a lot of things. A coward wasn't one of them. I'm a pragmatist, Doctor. Besides, someone has to ensure the survival of the human race in the American way of life. By the way, 
you survive, you're through. Yeah, it's not cowardice. He's going to a new world to rebuild the human race. Bring, bring me females. Oh, that's nice of him. Oops. Close it now. How can they do that? She's read the manual. Good for her. That's more than Jack ever did. What the hell do you think you're doing? Open that iris and dial the alpha site. Unauthorized off-road activation. He's not very quick on the uptake, is he? Boom. Ooh, that sounded. That was a nuke. Or worse. Anubis is dialed in. You're not going anywhere. You get me out of here. For all the reports he's read, he doesn't seem to have taken anything in that didn't actually suit his agenda. He's not coming through the gate. I don't give a damn! Well, I do! Guards, arrest him. <clears throat> Dr. Weir? Mr. President, Prometheus can't win against an entire Goa'uld fleet, but it could buy SG-1 enough time to complete their mission. Mr. President... <laughs> That is downright insane. I am relieving Dr. Weir and taking command sir, of this facility. from what I've looked at... Will you shut the hell up? I'm sorry, sir. Not you, doctor. <laughs> Good on you, Mr. President. Consider your resignation accepted, Bob. You can't do that. Oh, please. I got enough on you to have you shot. This is the biggest mistake you will ever make. But I think I'll stick with my original thought, which is shut the hell up. I promise you will only live to regret this. This is the silliest decisions that Kinsey has made. Taking command at this stage, it doesn't make sense. There's nothing you can do. You cannot open the gate. You've got no uh, resources to use. Colonel Kirkland, we have our orders. Let's get this burden here. Set inertial compensators and shields at maximum. Initiate launch sequence. Inertial compensators because they can't call them inertial dampers. Let's sacrifice Prometheus. They can always build another one. That's what they took four years. What choice do they have? They've got one ship. That's it. As soon as this door slides back, why isn't it blast from orbit coming down? Probably because they haven't detected it yet. We now see Major Grant back on the Prometheus, paid by Ingrid Cableus. Yeah, how are we going to do that? You must exit hyperspace as close to the Earth's atmosphere as possible. So we can appear on the other side of the Armada. There will not be much time to decelerate. Well, that I'm aware of, Fred. We're coming in hot. Slam the brakes on quick. That's one of the problems when you don't rely on friction to slow you down, like plain old human Earth technology. The shields are slicing right through the atmosphere like butter. Tilt. Tilt, you're going to pull up, right? I am attempting to do so. <laughs> I am attempting to do <laughs> Yes. <laughs> brake, brake tilt, brake. You imagine Daniel's foot just twitching on the brake, <laughs> like you do when you're a passenger in a car. <laughs> I hit the invisible clutch twice in the automatic. Did you? Yep. <laughs> Mostly when I was slowing down flights. It's instinctual. I shouldn't laugh because I've never I've never driven an automatic, so I'd probably be doing exactly the same. An automatic is a lot easier with hand controls. Right. This is it, he's thinking. I'm going to get him at last. They made fun of me enough times. Ah, Jack knows where he's going. That's a nice shot. I know it's not in space, but it's still a nice shot. Change of lighting. My lord, a scout ship has exited hyperspace and is heading for the planet's southern pole. Now, if anybody wondered where a lot of the money for this episode went, you're about to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> melt, 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 melt. And steam. At least we can say it. that's nice, the steam coming up. They have a couple of kettles in front. <laughs> Of course they... Uh... Don't tell me that theme is CG. There's no way they'd waste it. No, they're probably not. Sir, how long is this going to take? But they ignore the fact there should be millions of gallons of water at the base of the hole. Ah, it's science physics. Anubis cannot have missed our arrival. You are correct. 
Our cash and Gladys approach. Brace yourself. They will be in firing range in 30 seconds. Oh, a bit one-sided. Oh dear. <laughs> More ships approaching from the opposite direction. Sir, we're about to get our. We are not going. Now this is this is made on a TV budget. Imagine what they'd done with a couple of extra million if they'd have made the movie. Indeed. Look at that. <laughs> Ooh, extra That's a lot. I didn't know we had that many. Well, we've been secretly building them, haven't we, for God knows how long. Defend that scout ship at all costs. Prometheus. SG1, this is Hammond. Do you read? Yes, sir. It's good to see you. And here's the Prometheus. We actually realise how big the damn thing is. <laughs> you look at a carrier and you think that's a big ship, but there's nothing compared to the Prometheus. Well, it is to the scout ship what a carrier is to an F-16. Well, okay, F-14. Ooh, bam, hang. Colonel, how are we going to get down there? <laughs> that's it, clear off all the bits. <laughs> rings. Makes sense. Agents built the Stargates must be set of rings down there somewhere. I'm pretty sure they could have hit that scout ship if they'd have flown a bit lower. Ignored the Prometheus. I'm sure the scout ship is within the Prometheus shield. If you're going to fire, why not fire at the actual target you want to destroy? All the remaining F-302s have expended their ordnance. We can't take them back aboard. They'll have to divert to McMurdo. We need to break off and recharge the shields. Hold your position. Yeah, that's the problem when you've got missiles instead of lasers. Felger mm -hmm. really needed to build his laser gun. Good luck. SG-1 on the way. Did we get a sploosh? <laughs> no sploosh. No, like I say, conveniently, the water's all evaporated. <laughs> Let's not worry about that. Of course, this is the same set they used on the, the fire planet. Ooh, it's dark in here. Just coloured differently. Can we run away now? We are in range, my lord. Fire! Shields are failing. Scout ship is clear the hole. Set a course for Anubis' mothership. Move us out of here. Bring main engines online. Emergency thrust. Ooh. You'll see how good the shields are now. Yep. Tauri vessel is abandoning its position. Yeah, let's move towards the firing. Whatever shields you've got, slam them on all on the front and head to the sound of gunfire. This looks vaguely familiar. <laughs> yes, it does, Sam. Really, the character. You were there not long back but with red-coloured lights instead of blue. It's amazing how effective a simple change of light can have. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Not yet, Jack. You've got something to do first. Yes, Jack. Don't matter. Sleep. Now, was this before Picard and Best of Both Worlds when he was in his little chamber going to sleep, data, sleep? Uh, sod off Anubis. You are too late. The power of the ancients is mine. He has got Asgard technology, so he could have beamed down. Mm. A little head tilts. He knows it's a hologram. Jack, not impressed. Nope, he's just gonna walk through it. It's a hologram. Jack is probably about 99% Asian at this point, you know, so he's really not impressed. Okay, tell me you didn't forget to bring the battery. Of course, I haven't brought the battery. <laughs> Door is broken, so that's the uh, used one. 
Oh, someone's come a call in. The super soldiers were added almost after the fact. They weren't in the original script, but of course they realised that Anubis would send somebody down. Mm-hmm. And more than two of them. They haven't got the super soldier one done, have they? Yeah, because you've just seen them hit. The human attack vessel approaches. Destroy it. Mm. Did you notice that about two, two or three minutes ago? <laughs> you let it get awfully close. <laughs> All we need now is some swarthy, greased-up guy on a kettle drum banging out the boom, 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 boom. Great act to be not shot by the super soldiers. They are, of course, the same two actors. Yep. <laughs> you don't actually see the dead bodies in the floor. Jack, it's the fiddle with the gel. Sir, whatever you're going to do. Yeah, whatever you do, do it quick. Point the shield at Jack. Shoot the chair. <laughs> Shields are down. Weapons are expended. The next hit's going to take us out. Hold your course. Ready for collision. We go, they go. I don't care if it's Babylon 5, yep. Star Trek, Star Wars, Stargate, ramming speed, it works every time. <laughs> Ooh, what they wanted here was something we'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking of super weapon, this this is it. Yeah, like fish. Yeah, they describe them kind of like jellyfish. Of course, when we finally get to see uh, one of these drones, it's rather uninspiring, but right now they're uh, blimey. Look at them go. Mm-hmm. And under full control of whoever's in the chair. Mm-hmm. So they're not just point-and-shoot weapon, they're actually being guided. And look at this. This is an expression. <laughs> you know, all these years he's been fighting. This is a need for dental work, Jafar. <laughs> OK, we're still alive, so are we winning? <laughs> in there a display screen? Nice. <laughs> the super starship. Bye bye. Weapons fire coming from the surface, sir. Break off course. Get us clear. <laughs> yes, quickly. <laughs> this will probably be a big bang when it goes up. Yep. Yeah, his eyes are open now. He's ticked. Our shields are of no use. Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> lots of stuff coming up. <laughs> no, that was a better no than reimagined door. Ooh, shiny. What the hell was that? That was SG-1. Thousands of bright yellows. I don't know. They're coming from the surface. I don't know what they are. They're cutting the enemy fleet to shreds. My God, it's beautiful. Probably done some damage to our upper atmosphere, though. Possibly. Nice. <laughs> when he hears about the destruction of the Seventh Fleet, he's surrounded by his people. When he hears of the victories, sitting alone. Come on, Sam. Yes. His pulse is erratic. Don't you dare leave us now. We won. Colonel. <laughs> Don't you dare leave us. Sir, I have the president for you. Good to see the communications array wasn't damaged in all that fight. Mr. President, I'm confirming that the enemy's been defeated. The threat is eliminated. Congratulations, George. I don't know how we're ever going to be able to thank you. An extra pip, please, on my shoulder. Can we shoot Kinsey? Yes. Can I shoot Kinsey? You can keep the pip. Please. Jack. Let me call them Jack ones. Yeah. 
right now in the commentary they actually they praise Joel Goldsmith for this music, pointing out how important the score is to the show. Yes, Tilt, you pick him up. <laughs> He's probably the only actor capable of actually doing so. And zip. Sleep. Mm. Now what? Ah. <laughs> Goodbye. This is a season finale, of course. <laughs> and you're going, hey, what? <laughs> it's going to be in fewer episodes next season. Mm. Ooh. Huh? That? <laughs> Sorry, Pete, but I think Sam's got feelings for Jack more than she thought. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can't just leave him like this. There has to be a way to reverse the process. The answer has to be here somewhere. I don't think this is it, Sam. What do you mean? The dome's too small. It's like Teonas. It's obviously not a city, it's just an outpost of some kind. This isn't Atlantis? I don't think so. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> if this is not the lost city, then where is it? Hmm. Yes, Daniel, where is it? We need somebody to go look for it. Perhaps a whole new show devoted to it. Yes, he said looking to his left. Where your box set sits, is it? Mm-hmm. I left it up here, so I wouldn't have to go looking for it when we reached it. I went there for a year and a half, I never actually looked at any of the discs. Oh, that's freaky, isn't it? Mm. Fate of Black. And that's it. And that was the last episode that James Titchener worked on, visual effects producer. One of the cornerstones of the series. You don't get a lot of mention, except in the commentary, which he's done a lot. Maybe Could be. I mean, let's face it, the franchise really, really excelled in visual and special effects, well beyond what you'd expect a TV, Canadian TV budget to produce. That was the season seven finale, Lost City Part 2. <sighs> that was a good season. Indeed. It was. That was a good season. We're going to see much less of Jack after this. It is quite right, yeah. Bad panda. Right, normally now we'd do, coming next week, I imagine that will be the wrap-up show. Yes, that should be the wrap-up show. Next week, we'll be doing the Season 7 wrap-up show. By the time this is released, we will have recorded, and we may or may not have had a guest. Indeed. Either way. Also, next week, we'll have the results of the season poll. Come We also have a little trivia about the real-life general in this episode. General George P. Jumper, the U.S. Air Force Chief of Staff, is medal. He's got the Navy Distinguished Service Medal, Meritorious Service Medal, Legion of Merit, French Legion of Honour, Distinguished Flying Cross, Army Distinguished Service Medal, the Air Medal, and he's on the Council of Foreign Relations. Not bad for a Texas boy born in Paris, Texas, back in 1945. And he enjoys acting. <laughs> and he got lots of lines. He got lots of lines. He got more lines than was originally intended. Not too bad. See, all you got to do is lend a TV production company a Galaxy Transporter and some F-16s and you get a role on the TV show. Not bad. Not bad at all. Well, that were uh, Lost City. Sorry for lack of credit, which means we didn't get Mike to do as if this were shown on such and such a date, because I assume most territories split it. Yeah, that's a good point. While I'm here, <laughs> I did make a note, but obviously I never used it, did I? <laughs> no credit sequence, you didn't get a chance. Yeah. Lost City Part 2, aired in the UK March the 9th, 2004. The US, March the 19th. Australia, October the 14th. So they actually had Parts 1 and 2 back-to-back. 
and the Canadians, February the 3rd, 2005. OK, thanks for listening, folks. Join us next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Bye.